Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. It is December 21st, and that means it's the first day of winter, officially. Uh, in honor of that, today we sat down with Nicole Roundy, who is a Paralympian who competed in Sochi in 2014. She has more than 23 medals, um, including a bronze at the World Championships in 2017. Uh, her story is incredibly inspiring. I hope you take the time to listen to it today. She was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma um, as a child, and with us, she, she tells the story of a really difficult decision she was forced to make at a very young age and how that colored uh, the rest of her life. Uh, in 2006, she became the first above the knee amputee to compete in Paris snowboarding, and her trajectory from there has uh, been on a constant rise. She is a fantastic athlete, she's a fantastic human being, and travels around the world inspiring people with her public speaking and mentorship. I hope it's cold and snowing wherever you are, and I really hope you enjoy our conversation with Nicole Round. All right, let's start with uh, with where you came from, your journey a little bit, and, and how you fell in love with sports in the snow. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is Nicole Roundy. I am a professional adaptive snowboarder. Um, I am from Salt Lake City, Utah. So born, raised, I still live here. Uh, I fell in love with snow when I was 18. So it was after high school. It wasn't um, something I was really aware of when I was younger. Um, I, I remember watching the Olympics when the Olympics were hosted in Salt Lake City in 2002. And I watched Kelly Clark, um, one of the best half-pipe riders on the women's circuit then, and she still is today. I just watched her boost out of the half-pipe and she came down and she was in the finished corral. She was just having so much fun and her friends and her family were all there and it was just a very empowering moment for me because I felt the energy of the sport and I wanted that in my life. Um, and to take you back a little bit, I had a very active childhood. I have two older brothers, actually three sisters and two brothers, but uh, I spent most of my time with my brothers. And um, we played soccer and basketball, and we were just outside all the time um, in a very, very friendly neighborhood. We could just run around. And um, I had never really been exposed to board sports, but I, I loved volleyball. And four months after my eighth birthday, I was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma which it's a very rare form of bone cancer. Um, and I don't really recall the next three months of my life. I, it had a much greater impact on my family than it did me. Um, but I do remember the doctors coming in to my hospital room. Uh, it was October. And they said that my best chance of survival was to amputate my leg. And up to that point in my life, my parents had made most of my decisions for me. But my mother said, this is a choice that you have to make. If I was going to amputate my leg, the rest of my life would be 
without it. And at the time, it was very much considered a disability. Um, and it just, I think there was a part of me that understood the significance of that moment, but I didn't really understand what it meant for my life. So seeing Kelly Clark in the half pipe and wanting to be active and have that excitement was just a life-changing moment for me because 10 years before that, I had lost any hope, I thought, of doing something extraordinary like that. That's incredible. It's inspiring. You can't see Coach Nadal in the back here, but he's a little bit choked up. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just inspiring. It's incredible. Uh, so then what was your next step? Where did you go from there? How did you – so you are newly inspired. Uh, she gave you hope. Um, where did you go from there? Did you go immediately immediately to the hill or what, what was your next step? I actually, I went up to the adaptive sports program. Um, it was at Snowbird, uh, adaptive sports at the time. And I told them, I want to snowboard. And they said, well, you are an above the knee amputee. And above the knee amputees don't snowboard, they ski. And I said, okay, I agreed. I agreed to give skiing a try. Um, hated it. <laughs> the, I loved being out in the snow. I liked the speed of it. I liked the idea of it. I just wasn't comfortable on a ski. And you have to understand that I was 16 at the time, and I had just gotten my independence. I was starting to drive, I had a job, um, and it was so important to be independent in everything that I did to me. Um, and I think a lot of that is because of my disability. I grasped onto anything that I could do on my own and feel empowered by. But I kept asking, I kept asking, I want to snowboard, I want to snowboard, and everywhere I went and everyone I talked to said, no, that's impossible. So it wasn't actually until I was 18 years old that I learned how to snowboard. I met a physical therapist at Shriners Hospital, and he said, you know, let's give it a chance. We don't know until we try. Um, and secretly, I was actually really, really horrible <laughs> at snowboarding. Really? <laughs> I started at the very lowest level. <laughs> um, but I kept at it. And uh, the guy who taught me how to snowboard at the time, he was an instructor. And when he got off in the evenings, he would use his buddy pass to get me on the mountain and kept working with me and working with me. And honestly, I think because he went out of his way, that is why I stuck with the sport. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think, I think that's such a, that is such a powerful message to hear um, from a coach's perspective. Right. Um, I think so often we hear this this line in sports sometimes that sports um, sports reveal characters. Sports don't teach character; they reveal character. I just don't believe that. Um, I think I think that takes too much off the coach as an educator. Right. I think it's your mm -hmm. job to help the young person, um, regardless of what circumstance they're coming from, uh, to reach their full potential. Full potential. Um, their character potential included. Right, so the fact that he was willing to invest in you ultimately brought out um, the investment from you, and has mm -hmm. has kept you going down this path. I think it's really encouraging. I think he just he had a great passion for this sport, and he saw 
he saw that light in my eyes and being able to participate in it and he just he wanted to feel it. Um, would you mind tell us a little bit more about this tour you just got back from? Um, so I started competing in snowboarding in 2006, uh, but at the time it wasn't a professional sport. Um, we had a national circuit. We have a U.S. Uh, sorry, USA Snowboard Association has a national circuit, and it's mostly able-bodied. But they were willing to extend an invitation to adaptive snowboarders around the United States to just come out to nationals and, and try the events. I had never seen a snowboarding competition. I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, but that's really where it all started. I, I realized that it was something I wanted to stick with, that I wanted to get better at. And... Um, Four years later, we applied to become a part of the Paralympic Games. That was in 2010. And then uh, I remember a year later, they came back and said, no, your sport hasn't grown enough. You don't have enough competitors on the international circuit. We're not going to include snowboarding in the Paralympic roster. And it was a really heartbreaking moment for me. But a year later... (laughs) They came back and uh, ultimately reversed the decision. And uh, I competed in the 2014 Paralympics in uh, Sochi, Russia. And that was like, um, it was a moment in my career where I had kind of, it was both devastating and almost triumphant at the same time. Because I had done really well, had world championships about a month before, and then I showed up in Sochi and everything went wrong. The pressure, the event, no, it just, it wasn't my day as an athlete. And I went home feeling very heartbroken from that competition. But it ultimately taught me how much I needed to learn still Mm -hmm. and has made me into the athlete that I am today. Yeah. So... (laughs) Just, I mean, we're going into Pyeongchang, we're doing the qualifiers right now, and the level of competition between four years ago and today is, it's a completely different sport. I just took silver in Finland at a border cross event, and um, that was a really hard competition. I mean, the girls are, we're so close in time, um, and that's totally different from what it was four years ago. We were all very staggered across the board, but now we're just... The competition is very healthy. We have no idea who's going to end up in the podium and where. I like that. What do you think one of the major causes or, uh, yeah, the reasons for growth has been? Just increased exposure? Um, Yes, I think it's increased exposure. Uh, It's also, with more competition, there's more drive to become better athletes. And we have a much higher level of competition now. So there's more drive for me, there's more drive for my competitors, and there's more drive for people who are just coming into the sport. And then also the level of prosthetic technology between four years ago and now is drastically different. No, that's a good point. I'm sure there's an exponential rise in that technology. I wonder what the sport will look like 10 years from now. I, it, blows my mind of what it could possibly be. That's pretty amazing. 
What was Sochi like, by the way? I got. I want to hear more about that. That's when they isn't that when they brought in the snow? Wasn't that Sochi? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, how how uh, was, was the imported fun. snow? It was farm snow. It was probably three months old. It had been chemically tre- treated for at least a month um, to keep it from melting. It was, I've never ridden snow like that, and I probably will never ride snow like that again. Probably not. <laughs> that's a safe bet. I would say um, that's a safe bet. It was, like, uh, it was like wet quicksand. That's the only way I can think to describe it. So it's... As soon as you would try and use the edges on your snowboard, it would just flip you over. Sure. So that's why so many people were crashing because yeah. you couldn't ride it the way you've been training to ride. So. Wow. That's pretty um, unfortunate. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, it's probably the last time you have to deal with that. So that's good news. Um, I'm hoping. <laughs> um, so I see on your, especially with your world championship experience, You've got a boatload of medals. We could go through each one of those one by one, perhaps. But uh, instead, maybe I think we'd like to hear about uh, just your 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 highest moment, um, specific to competition. Actually, we'd probably like to hear both. Like uh, one of the best moments for you since seeing um, Kelly in 2002. What's your greatest moment in competition? Uh, perhaps it's the one you're most proud of. I think. Yeah. Oh man. Um, uh, well, I have 23 World Cup medals. Hmm. So, <laughs> wow. um, that's, uh, I think it's hard to narrow it down. Sure. I do. I won the all around world cup globe a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And that was a really, um, that was a really great experience because you have the world cup circuit where it's comprised of many different competitions and the globe basically means that you performed the best out of anybody in the world consistently throughout the entire season but the Paralympics is like one day one shot type of a competition whereas the globe is more an all-around example of uh, athletic excellence and um so that was it was a really cool award and moments to know that I I had grown out as an athlete and that I was consistent enough Throughout the course of an entire season to top the, the circuit. That's pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, best all around seems like a pretty good high. Um, <laughs> all right, I've got some questions specific to winter. You ready for these? I'm ready. First snow of the year. Do you A, build a snowman, B, do snow angels, C, have a snowball fight? Snow angels. Snow angels? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is correct answer plus one. Uh, the next question, favorite cold weather drink. My favorite cold weather. Oh, um, a hot toddy. No, depending on the audience, that could be the right answer. (laughs) No. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um, hot apple cider. Another good, yeah. We would have accepted um, hot chocolate with marshmallows, depending on which size of marshmallows. But, um, but hot chocolate or uh, excuse me, hot cider definitely works. I appreciate that. (laughs) Here's here's another big one that I really want to know. I would like to hear about the biggest training setback you felt. Um, Whether maybe perhaps it was coming out of Sochi, 
Um, I don't know if you've had, I assume there's been injuries along the way. You're coming down the hill pretty fast. Um, but has there been anything that's interrupted your progress so far? Or has it been mostly like mental hurdles or what would you say the biggest obstacle you've overcome since training? I don't think um, it's not one. <laughs> so the thing about being the first at something is that you have to jump through a lot of hurdles to get where you want to go. And a lot of times you get through something and then there's just another brick wall standing on the other side. For me, starting to snowboard with no prosthetic technology available, I started on a peg leg, basically. So when I would fall over, it was like a tree falling in the forest. I would fall 90 degrees. <laughs> um, and then I had my first prosthetic. And then I moved it onto the second generation of that prosthetic. And then my next prosthetic. So with each prosthetic, they're all, they all have their strengths and their weaknesses. So I couldn't just learn how to snowboard and then go from there. I've actually learned how to snowboard over and over and over again. Um, because every time I get a new leg, there's this learning curve, not only of adjusting to the technology, but also retraining my brain what to expect from the technology. Uh, for example, my old, really old leg, if I tried to hit a big jump, say 10, 15 feet, that was a big jump. <laughs> if I landed it just slightly off, the air shock that's inside the knee would spring me off in a different direction. I would go flying out of control. Uh, so I think the biggest hurdle in my career is retraining my mental game to match the ability of the prosthetic over and over and over again. It's, uh, it's a lot of work. Um, and I just did it again. Uh, I got a new, brand new leg about a year ago. It's way better than anything I've had in the past, but um, it came with that same hurdle of relearning how to snowboard all over again. I'm sure you've heard, I mean, it is like, it's a complete buzzword in psychology these days, but the growth mindset, um, like you really don't have a choice. You have to keep coming back to the drawing board every time um, without a really healthy relationship to you wouldn't call them barriers necessarily. It's an acknowledgement. You mentioned the learning curve. Maybe that's the right word, uh, word for it. Um, but just like you can never be complacent. There's no room for complacency mm -hmm. the way you're doing it and the way it's set up. Um, I think it's very, very cool. We want to know what um, the first concert you ever went to was or the first album you ever purchased. I can answer both those questions. Which one do you want? <laughs> oh, the sure. The first, uh, the first... <laughs> The first CD album I ever purchased was, did I get a, like a drum roll for this? I, can you have a drum? Go. Does that count? <laughs> Britney Spears. Oh my goodness. Oh well, yeah. Which mm -hmm. album was this? I was, uh, I was in seventh grade. And which one was um, it? Was this the original Britney? It was the original Britney. There you go. Mm-hmm. Classic, an all, instant classic. All three of us yeah. have the same first album. That's <laughs> yes, right. Um, that wasn't first concert, I hope. No, my first concert was actually <clears throat> My Chemical Romance. 
We were just listening to them in the weight room. Hell yeah. We were just listening to them in the weight room today. Very right? cool. I bet that would have been a lot of fun, actually. It was a, it was fun. I uh, didn't know any of the songs at the time. No, I was one of those concert guys. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But it was great. It was an amazing concert. I, I think it sounds amazing. And you seem to be a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So just showing up and feeling the energy of that place is probably all you needed. Um, the next one. Ready? I'm ready. We are looking for advice for from a leader, you, to a future leader uh, who might be heading down a similar path. You know, when I first started competing, my uh, fellow competitor and mentor gave me two pieces of advice. She said, one, never burn a bridge. There will always be people in your career that you probably don't like but you make so that they think that you like them. <laughs> because you never know when you're going to need their help later on in the game. The second piece of advice was to always show up, both mentally and physically, no matter how much you don't want to. Because I can tell you that I have won medals, more than one medal, for sure, just because I showed up and nobody else did. Absolutely. I think it's incredible advice. I mean, that aligns with our mentality really well, too. Like, we, the, you cannot control who shows up against you, but you can control um, your consistency and preparation and the fact that you show up and come through um, on the day of the event. I like that a lot. What was the name of your mentor? Uh, her name is Vivian Mantel. She is a Paris snowboarder from the Netherlands. She's actually, uh, she's been fighting her own cancer battle for about 10 years. She's, she currently just finished a second route, or I don't even know how many bouts, but um, radiation on her spine. So she's not currently competing, but we're hoping she's going to make it to the game. For sure. We definitely wish her well. Um, okay, well, this is something we're going to ask of you. There, there might be many, but we want you to publicly thank one person. One person? Just one? Okay. Oh, you, oh, listen, you can <laughs> maximum three. One to three. Maximum, maximum three. No Ooh, more than three. Okay. Uh, my mother. Deal. My mom has always been my, one of my biggest supporters. She, uh, she started working when I was in high school and she started dipping chocolates. She hadn't been in the workforce for over 30 years. Um, so she makes chocolates for a chocolate factory here. And um, she would save up her money, her paychecks, put it in an envelope, and randomly hand it to me when she knew that I was struggling financially to cover my competition expenses and my training fees. So thank you, Mom, for always being in my corner. Second would be my boyfriend. Sorry, Martha, after my kids. Um, <laughs> uh, Matthew... Melanson. He, um, he came into my life at a moment when I was just very alone. And he, I don't know, he's always been really good at making me feel so empowered and letting me know that I, I can do what I'm trying to do and I'm not just crazy. <laughs> I think uh, the third person would actually be my current coach. Wait, I can't just do three? That's four. <laughs> I'm, I'm not to coach and only have the ruling okay. on this. I guess, I guess. One. Uh, I one know, exception. I know. You can do four. 
Okay, it's the I'm holiday sure. season. Got it. We'll go for it. Um, <laughs> number three, and this is in no particular order. Sure. Um, my coach, Chris Davies, he, uh, he doesn't get to travel with me. He's my local coach. But um, he is so good at reading me and knowing exactly what I need in that moment. Sometimes I just need some confidence that I can do something. Other times I actually need coaching and direction. And he's just so good at giving me exactly what I need. The fourth person would actually be Lauren Loberg. She is my fourth psychiatrist. Um, She is probably one of my secret keys to success because she's always just so good at reminding me that I'm strong and capable and confident and that I've got this. I had a I had a moment in Finland just, you know, last month when I really doubted that I had it in me to compete. And um, she had a recording. She put a recording on my phone. And it, all this recording says is, I am calm. I am strong. I am confident. I can do this. And it calms me down instantly. And I went from placing last in the qualifiers to standing on the podium with a silver medal. Amazing. That is, that's gold. That's money right there. And she has been such a great friend and important member of my team. That's really incredible. And I'm sure they'll be grateful to hear this. Um, I'm really, I'm impressed by everything that you've done. Um, I'm also really excited uh, by how much you've acknowledged the mind plays a role in all of this, right? Because it's just funny, someone who's as accomplished as you are with a trophy shelf of 23-plus significant medals um, still some, sometimes needs to be reminded that you are capable of this, right? Especially when the margin is so thin at, at competitions and increasingly thin as, as uh, excitement around the sport grows. Uh, the mental game is such an enormous component of it. It sounds like you've been working on that, and it sounds like it's been very successful. Yeah. It's, uh, most people will tell you, any, almost any athlete will tell you that it's 90% mental, only 10% physical. For sure. Especially assuming at the top level, which you're at, um, that the difference in physical ability is so small, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. good. Everybody's legit in the competition you go to. Yeah. So, good. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I hope you really enjoy the holiday season, you going anywhere? Are you doing anything? Um, I am going to San Antonio for New Year's Eve. I'm going to go to a masquerade ball. Wow. So. I like it. <laughs> uh, well, be safe. Have fun. Uh, enjoy yourself. When, where can we find you? Uh, uh, you have social media, I assume? Where I do. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and my favorite channel is Instagram. I like it. And where at? What's the handle? Uh, Nicole.Roundy. Oh, Nicole Roundy. Pretty easy. You can also find me on my website, which is NicoleRoundy.com. Love it. And what's your next competition? Uh, I have a double, actually a quadruple. Is that quadruple? Yeah. <laughs> a quadruple Paralympic qualifier in February in Canada. Very cool. Well, best of luck. Absolutely. Thank you so much uh, for sitting down with us today. And winter. Thank you so much. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. 
Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.